Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Peter Nell is a regenerative conservationist. He wouldn't call himself a scientist. He works for the South African Wildlife uh, Institute in, in the low felt of South Africa training people on how to regenerate their habitats. Now, when you get into this podcast, it's going to take you a little bit to get into it. Peter is all over the show, but I want you to stick with us because the good stuff really happens towards the end of the podcast in which we talk about the inclusiveness of people and specifically cattle into wildlife habitat restoration. Yes, it's controversial. It's pushing back against the entire protectionist model that is pretty much pervasive around the world. But Peter believes, and a lot of people believe, like Alan Savory and the Savory Institute and lots of others, believe that you have to incorporate people and especially intense grazers, non-selective grazers, into phenomenal habitat restoration improvements. And that's what this conversation is all about, is let's talk about it. Let's fling the doors wide open. And let's have these conversations about habitat restoration techniques that are a little controversial than the norm. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is. Name. Does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. 
So you out of the bush, huh? Yes, man. The Pafuri was beautiful, eh? It's a lovely part of the world, eh? Yoch. How's my how's my buddy Richard? He's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing an absolutely marvelous job there. It's he's embracing that new role of working with the communities and empowering them and helping the Maluleki guys and you know he's uh, building bridges and not burning. Eh? It's a it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, fresh air. It's interesting you say that. In one of my favorite people, and Richard Sowry is one of my, I, you know, I've obviously just podcasted with him. We chatted over the phone earlier this year about the whole elephant issue and quickly, quickly became one of my favorite yeah, individuals. Yeah. And we just, it's funny how the circles are so small in this world, right? When people start running in those small little circles and you start figuring exactly, out who's yeah. um, Now is it? What you just said reminds me of a, one of the new young directors of of one of wildlife resources here in this country, uh, Austin Booth, he runs the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, and he said to me, "We're moving away from bullets and brawns to hearts and minds." Exactly, uh, you know, and the minds one is the important one. Eh? Hopefully, we can chat about that a little bit, because the minds one uh, that is the one that needs to be uh, rejuvenated. That's the hardest part of regenerating it eh, is the mind. It's not just why do you think we lost that, Peter? You see, um, uh, Rob, you, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's for me, it's, it's education. Eh? It, and it's not the lack of education. It's the hardest guys to, to convince or to, to show why something is working is, is the, the guys with PhDs and the, and the doctors and the scientists, you, you know, the, the professors. No, you're saying the professors no, are no, the prof- uh, stuck in their ways. Uh, ha, ha, Come on, uh, Peter. Too much so, and so, and and of course the, the the guys in the formal sector. This is what makes Richard so special. Is that you know in the formal sector, he's probably one one guy um, out of this whole of the low felt that is open to to this idea, and he sees the light on the other side of the tunnel. The rest of the guys won't. You mm. know how it's it's apart from from the law book. Of course, you know, you can't, you can't change and open your mind if you work according to a law book because the law is the law and, and, you, and you really can't address any problems outside of that um, apart from making your fence higher and putting more electricity on it. But, you, you, you know, the, uh, thinking about these things in a, in a more holistic way and not in a simplistic type thinking because this is what, you know, the guys for the last 55 years have been taught on universities, right? It's a simplistic type thinking. And if you, you know, it's the funniest thing, and I'm not a scientist, let me just say it uh, up front, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all one, but, you know, I would have thought my understanding always was um, talking to scientists in, in when I was younger, is that you kind of want to challenge what the norm is, right? Now you can't challenge anything. They won't listen. They won't listen. It stares you. It stares everybody in the in the face. But it it can't be the truth because you know. Then for fifty five years, somebody else was wrong, and and it and it looks like to me it might be an ego thing more than anything else. But um, you know, so regenerating the mind as the earth and whatever the case might be, that is the that is the the most difficult part of it. Peter, um, 
So let's introduce yourself, man. You've been going for five minutes now. We don't even know who the hell you are. So Peter Nell, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Um, please introduce yourself. You, you say you're not a scientist, so I'm now interested to know who, what you uh, are. Thank you, Rob. Uh, thank you for having me, man. It's um, So uh, my name is, is Peter Nell. Um, I'm a conservation professional. I'm a resource manager by profession. I started... Um, probably 1998 as as a professional hunter um i, I passed my my course back then i then worked um under a guy called uh, paul ferreira and and pete lombard on Tualu. you know that was still in the bowler era so i was privileged enough to see Tualu grow um in 95 96 97 there um, it was um, it was a real pl- for the for the audience. Tell the audience because nobody I know what your accent is, but nobody knows where you're from and, and where is Swallow. So uh, Swallow is in the Northern Cape. Um, it is be- of, of South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah, sorry, man, it's an international audience. Eh? So uh, it's in the <laughs> Kalahari, and um, yeah, uh, it's and it was really the first major. Um, professional conservation effort. It not, it, it not like there wasn't any other guys there, but these were revolutionary uh, professionals that actually got into into the Northern Cape at the time. And and I learned a lot. Um, a, a mentor of mine, Pete Lombard, he's still um, he's still there, and and I can still phone him. His son, I worked with his son. He's he's a, he's still a mentor of mine. Um, after that, uh, about t- 2002, uh, two, I moved from the Kalari um, into the, uh, the, the bushveld of, of Tabazambi. Um, it, w- it was three cattle farms that we put into a, into a, um, into a game area, into, into a nature reserve. And up until that time, I, I, so I was kind of lucky enough or unlucky enough to, or the most, the, the thing I actually worked on was, was rehabilitation. And at, at that time, it was, um, um, nobody really talked about rewilding, like they, rewilding is really only becoming a term now, but back then, it was all rehabilitation and you know and and and, and cattle mm. was the the bad thing and game was going to be the the answer to to degradation um right. and so my my mind kind of already then you know there was a lot of things that didn't make sense to me and then i ended up in the low felt so south african low felt in the umbabat and um as a conservation manager and i and i worked in the uh, in the umbabat for for 10 years um my kids then had to go to school and um i ended for uh, i ended up in the in the western cape in the klein karua the succulent karua um training um training guides and, and nature conservation guys and then i i ended up and i came back um after year in 2014 I, I came to the southern african wildlife college and I've been mm-hmm. training um, responsible resource use um, at the Southern African Wildlife College since 2014. And about uh, three years ago, I started up my own business on the side um, uh, 
to rehabilitate uh, or, or call it rewild um, uh, wildlife habitat, not not the areas, uh, not not the wildlife, the wildlife habitat. Um, and so, okay. so this is kind of what I do, and I, I, um, it's the resources uh, that, that I'm. Uh, so I teach the responsible resource management, and it's the thinking about it and decision making. Um, and this is kind of where where I'm at now. So, when someone thinks about rewilding a place or restoring the habitat, right? The best thing you can do is just put a big fence out of it and keep the people out and take all of the cattle out. That's that's the best thing that you can do, right, Peter? <laughs> so, um, well, you know, that was the old thinking, eh, Rob? And uh, so I can see the dry fly now coming there and I'm coming up full speed. So get your drag on. Uh, it's, um... <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm ready. I'm ready. So listen, it's, it's, I think, I think it's, a, it's one of those simplistic ways um, and it's... And it's um, the exclusiveness of, of humans that is the problem. And in the, in the African context, I think it's important for us to, to, to realize. Um, I don't think it needs to be a, a debate. Uh, we must realize that in conservation, um, if conservation areas are, and, and national parks, provincial parks are going to flourish, uh, people will have to be incorporated in all of this. But there's got to be a level, right? You can't. It's 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 in moderation, right? Assuming versus everything has to be in moderation. Well, exactly. So everything needs to be in moderation. But where's those? You know. So so if we talk about carrying capacity, then me and you we're going to talk here for five hours, right? Because what is that? Mm -hmm. So so if Mm -hmm. you look at uh, the town Kariba um, in 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 Zimbabwe, well, that's for all intents and purposes, in a conservation area, Kasani, right, inside of a conservation area, right. right. So, how big does the town need to be? If you look at Skokuza, Skokuza is bigger than both of those. So, that is inside of the premier national park in South Africa. So. Yeah, but Skokuza's fence. It's it's. Think of it. I always think you can't. To me, to me, that's not integration, right? To me, that's like. A settlement with a fence around that you're not allowed to go outside you don't interact with the system at all you're you're isolated it's 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 still the protectionist yeah. model so, so, why, why do you so, think it's any so, different uh, okay so so let's go over the fence into into park national right so on park national um so park national wasn't a national park at all it was a hunting block it was mm-hmm. Kutada 16. Now, for everyone, Park National is yeah. in Mozambique, adjacent to Kruger yes. National Park. Park, Park National de Limpopo, um, I think, it's the, it's a, and it's part of the Greater Frontier. Um, Remember, you're speaking to people from Ohio and Iowa uh, and Australia that have no thanks, idea thanks for what you're talking me. about. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so, so they've got an interesting um, scenario. Um, when, when they stopped the hunting... When they took out uh, uh, Tim Otto out of his out of his hunting block and decided to make that a, con- um, a national park, they had all the people inside of there, right? So, so mm-hmm. that that hunting safari in its own is a is a magnificent story, and, um, and and I don't think we have time for that. But he he managed to to basically get that place wild again 
with all the people on mm -hmm. the inside and there was a little bit of harmony going on there all right so they managed to get it right mm -hmm. um, and as soon as the new management authority took over the first thing that had to happen is all the people had to be moved Keep in mind mm -hmm. that on the South African side, there was big issues over the exact same thing, right? Uh, um, and they haven't solved that at all. It's now, next year will be 20 years. And those people are still not out of the park. And those issues are not, all right? So th that national park is 20 years down the line. And they haven't, in fact, they've made it worse. Now, we've... Um, We've went there and, and trained guys on how to use their cattle inside a park national. So at the time, the management authority was paying out about two, three head of cattle a week. And um, one incident, uh, lions killed about, about 36 right, uh, animals in one night. And then they said, listen, yeah, they need now training. This is a problem because they're going to go bankrupt. So we went there. We trained them up. And for 13 months, no, no, nothing got lost or, or killed or anything like that, right? And So you're saying the community was able to protect their cows from lions that had now tasted yes. and, and it, uh, cattle flesh without losing any yeah, more? for 13 months, and that took us, uh, and that's five days of training, right? So what are they doing? Give so, us some examples there, Peter, because a lot of people are like, man, yeah, that doesn't... So, I thought once, once, a, once a lion eats cows, exactly. that's it, man. They're going to well, figure out yeah, a way. Well, it's learned behavior, right? And so if you, if you, let, if you right. let animals get away with bad behavior, they will learn. And, and it's, so that's a management problem. It's not an animal problem. That's a management problem. Right, because we let them. It's baboon, a baboon troop. If you let a baboon troop raid houses and raid cars like Cape Point or whatever the case might be, this morning in the newspaper, somebody in Constantia shot, shot a baboon and it's all over the news now. So, but what is the authorities doing? You know, so exactly because they're mm. letting these animals get away with it. Elephants are the same, and lions are the same, and hyenas and carnivores and elephants, especially. It, um, Keep in mind that an elephant doesn't have any instinctive behavior. None. It's all learned behavior, right? If the mother doesn't teach mm -hmm. it how to drink in the first couple of hours, it's gonna, it won't, it'll never find the the nipple and it'll die. So, and it takes it months mm -hmm. to to get anyway. So these guys and and then we. And then these guys need to take responsibility, right? They they need to take responsibility. Um, of looking after animals, their own animals, and their environment. And, as, and we teach them, you know, Allah Savory, um, how to look after their environment and how to be more resilient, all right, uh, in climate, in whatever the case might be. But here it is wild animals. So how to do that? And then, and then we, uh, and then they fix it themselves. And we give them uh, predator-proof bomas at night where they can chase these animals in and sleep them in and not the old traditional stuff that needs all the thorn bushes and all that because you run out of thorn bushes, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and, the, and, the, and this is kind of where, the, and we train them up, it, it's about five days. So what does that boma look like? What does that boma um, look like? Yes, Rob, it, it's, um, 
you know, game capture. Is it high yeah. tensile wire? It, is it like a, it's a so, wall? So, or so it's it's the same principle as the, as a game capture. Um, uh, you know the nets. Um, you, you know those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not the nets. The the curtains, right? Exactly curtains, that. Right. That is exactly what it is. It's actually an, uh, a game capture guy that builds the stuff for us. And so it's high tensile cables with fr uh, frames that can, you know, collapse and you roll the stuff up and you move it to where you want it and all of, all of that stuff. So the bombers are movable because you yeah. think that, you know, if it was a permanent structure, cattle, we all know, oh, yeah. you know, cattle in one area roaming the exactly. same area, the consequence is opposite exactly. of and so and so now what you're doing is is that you can move your impact throughout the landscape so here's the other thing that i've um in in wildlife management so i called myself a wildlife manager by profession up until eight years ago seven uh, maybe ten years ago whatever and i realized that there's really no way to 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 manage wildlife i you know if there's too many old um my, one of my mentors said, you know, you can be an excellent manager if you have a, a, a triple two rifle, a, a box of matches and five liters of diesel a day. So if the grass is not enough, then you call the impala. If the grass is too much, you burn mm -hmm. the grass. And every day you start mm -hmm. a lister motor somewhere, water pump with five liters. So then you can manage any place. Now, you know, but that's a very simplistic way of thinking. It wasn't, it wasn't a lie. But it was it was very simplistic. You don't need to go to university or technical to get that done, all right? You just and a, and maybe a tractor or donkey cart. Then you can do everything. You can do seven thousand, ten thousand hectares of stuff or whatever. But it's going to have to be more than that. You know, it's we need to think about our rhino thing. You know, so I'm so sick, of, uh, Rob. Everybody, everything that we hear. Is the rhino this, the rhino that, and now it's the pangolin. So, so mm -hmm. but what are we going to do? Are we going, to, you know, there's no more rhinos where I am. You know, when I got here in, in 2014, yeah. Yeah. you know, I could go out with students and, and we, I could pick and choose out of 60 odd rhinos um, which ones I'm going to. This is yes, in Kruger, yeah, right? Yeah. And, yeah, Burgendal, that northern, that southern area around Burgendal, we used to see rhinos exactly. all the time. You know, and um, I would I would go out with students, and you would see 60, 64. Uh, it would be nothing, man. You would see them, and you know that one now is too far from the road. It's going to take us too long, whatever. And I, I, I could I could work with with six students with two approaches each on different ones we wouldn't walk, uh, work with a with a rhino twice in one one day now um we, i might see tracks once a month i might see tracks mm -hmm. once a month so and now where where are we what what is the solution so now what we have is, is we we rarely see a rhino and if you do see him it doesn't have a horn on it so because our solution was to cut horns off if we've asked the Zimbabweans, they've tried this stuff in the 80s and it didn't work. All right. The only thing you do is, is, to, is to help, um, is to buy time. So what are we buying time for? What is going to be the solution? So I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But what I wanted to tell you is, is that, you know, but meanwhile, there's a whole lot of desertification going on. We are losing, um, 
grasslands and, and savannas and, and we are getting soil that is cooking hard, clay pot hard in the savannas. Mm-hmm. And we're worrying about rhinos. And, and I don't say don't worry about the rhino. But what is the answer about a rhino? Is it, is it, it can't be a debate, eh, Rob. We can't say, yeah, you know, if, if we open the, the um, uh, 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 what's a trade, eh? uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it might or might not. Well, it's illegal already. So what, what's the debate? It's not working. The, 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 no, well, the debate is making uh, it legal. Yeah. So, the debate is flooding the market with the, the, the exactly, supply that man. is existing. Exactly, and you know? it's making it's making a le- It's not going to take away the illegal side. It's just you know, if every if any reasonable. Yeah. Well, the the idea is it'll suppress exactly. the illegal side. Yeah. It'll suppress it to a point where it's not exactly, even exactly because anymore. now we're looking at 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 assets. That are not assets; it's now liabilities, and that, and people can't get rid of their uh, of their of their of their rhinos, right? Uh, but it's making mm-hmm. them bankrupt, and it's making good people mm-hmm. good people. It's making them criminals because the only way that they mm-hmm. can now make a living or look after these rhinos are selling the rhino horn that they have, and this is also not right. Okay, so we're coming back to responsible again. And so what are we going to do about it? What is the responsible way of thinking about these things? And, and really, where our discussion needs to go to is what is rational and irrational, right? And so how do you make this, uh, uh, these, these decisions? Because on the one end of the scale, we have, irra- well, on, two, on both ends of the scale, we have irrational people, right? So in South Africa, we saw it with, um, um, we are seeing it with game breeding. All right, so so um, okay. yeah, yeah. on the one side, there's the anti, just about everything. It's basically anti-hunting mm-hmm. and anti-vegans and all the, all, the, mm-hmm. all the type stuff. On the other top of the scale is guys that, that's not realizing or, not, or don't want to see or whatever that it's also not 100% conservation or, or, you know, so they're breeding stuff. So why would we have bred stuff? I, I remember in the in the early nineties, it was sable as around, and you know, all that kind of came in, and then there was the clean buffalo, right? And the clean buffalo really only got in there because it was a lot of money. But if we think about it from a conservation point of view, it was all preservation back then, which wasn't a a bad thing. But the mindset was preservation. There wasn't a lot of the stuff, and so let's breed them to to get the numbers up. But it's now mm-hmm. clear that there's and and listen, let's put lions in there, man. Let's just put lions. You know, let's not let, let's not right, right, right. around the lion thing because it's it's not something that we mustn't talk about. So put lions in there too. Lions was actually a little bit before before maybe ten years before still there. Um, but they they bred them up, but there was never a plan, a conservation plan to put these things back into. Um, into a, a wild area or into a functional area where these animals can fulfill mm-hmm. their niches, correct? And so now what mm-hmm. we have is, is we have more sable in South Africa than buffalo, right? But the mm-hmm. same amount of habitat that they started out with in the early 90s. So it's so no, there was no conservation effort. There was a we were very good in breeding it um, and getting the numbers up, but that's where it stopped. Are you sure that that habitat is that habitat statistics correct? Because you would think that, and again, maybe this is the crux of the discussion here. 
from the 90s to today, you would think that hundreds and thousands of habitat of habitat has been converted from agriculture to wildlife habitat. Now, so let's so let's just talk about the wildlife habitat. So if we if we take a piece of land and we put wildlife on it, is it that wildlife habitat? Well, the premise is that by putting wildlife on it versus having something else correct, on it, correct. it would slowly return back to what it should be like. Well, if it's managed right, correct. If it's managed. So so here comes the cricket. Yeah, no, as you said, managed with a 2-2, two, two well, matches well, and diesel. Well, a little bit more elastic than that. <laughs> All right, a little bit more realistic because now, since the breeding, with the two-two and the matches and the five-liter of diesel, comes in um, the feed pellets from the co-op. All right, um, whatever mm. the case may. So if you need to keep stuff alive with feed pellets and then well, something well, is then wrong it's with not habitat. habitat. Then you started out on the wrong foot, and mm. then it was never conservation. All right, it was never, it was mm -hmm. never that. So, and this is where, from a responsible resource use, um, you know, we, we, we try and say that what makes, it's not the animal that, that makes the hunt. It's, it, it can't be the animal. Um, and, and I know, you know, I, a lot of my friends, I've lost friends, I, I get them back again and I leave them again, I, I lose them again. Every time there's a two, two or three beers, I lose most of my friends because this debate always comes up. But this, it, it is the truth. So, Rob, we need to understand, you know, and, and I think the Americans with a sheep is, 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 is the best example. You know, it's one of, apart from Marco Polo and the Russians, but... Um, it's one of the hunts that you can't dewild. Okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, and it's still the most. Uh, it is the most expensive hunt there is, and that uh, yeah. Sure, and in absolutely. Africa, the most expensive hunt there is is a Lord Derby Eland. It's not it's not the bongo anymore, because we figured out how mm -hmm. to um, dewild it. You know, and 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 but basically devalue the. Um, the experience and so once the experience is devalued it can never be the same as um as something that is wild all right and so i think when we talk to habitat this is once these animals fulfill their niche and they can only fulfill it when the habitat is healthy so we we need to start managing for healthy habitats and not for species because then the species right. can come back strong right sure and, sure and, sure yeah. Well, it's the key, right? It's the it's sort of the foundational pillar to any wildlife conservation success story is habitat. Habitat yes. is key. Yes, 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 yes. So, so to come back to the to the conundrum currently in 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 in, in southern Africa, and let's just say you know the 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 one weak point in in the South African model and the Namibian model of owning the land and the and the animals that's on them. Um, on the one side, there's now much more animals than there's ever been, but the habitat is also much weaker than it's ever been, all right? Because, and it's, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's Why is it's, that? Why is that? What's, what's, the, what's so causing it's, that? It's a desertification, right? It's the degradation, and it's, it's just not ecosystem processes that are healthy. And so here's where... And, and this, all eyes, I've seen it, and I've, I've seen it before I met Alan Savory. And it just, I could never put my hand on it. And then, um, 
one day I'm, I, I just picked up a book. Uh, ironically, it was a building we were breaking down in the, in the Umbabat, and there was this big bookshelf, and we were throwing stuff away. And this one book, I just hang, uh, lucky I hang, hung on to it. And I kind of read through it, and a lot of the stuff there, and how I was trying to rehabilitate um, areas, it made sense why in two seasons it was back degraded. It needed this continuous management, this continuous hand of management that you need to do, yes, almost like CPR. And uh, I couldn't understand what it was, and it was population dynamics. And so, you know, um, a guy called Aikox, um, you should know him. He's, uh, I think he came out of Natal, Peter, uh, Maritzburg in the 50s or the 40s, and he, he had this um, thing that he said back then is that South Africa is, is uh, overgrazed and understocked. All right, and so, I mean, that was, that put mm. the uh, cat amongst the pigeons. But he was right. And, and so what it is, is that our savannas and our grasslands developed not with fire. Right? It developed with migrations. It developed with, with hard-hoofed herds migrating all okay. over. Now, we will never get okay. that back because of people and fences. And it's, if, even if we take the sure, fences sure. off, you know, we've got cities and highways and stuff. But what we do have is, is we have hard-hoofed herds that are domesticated. And this is where the cattle thing comes in, and sheep and goats and whatever the case might be. But, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that is where um, I, I listened to a podcast the other day with uh, the, the, the old ethical meat guys. And, um, and, and so uh, agriculture is way in front of, of conservation because they're thinking out of the box more. All right, and I, I go back now almost half an hour when you ask me what is the, the, the most difficult thing in regeneration, it's the mind, right? And so, and, and, and this is where I started my business with, is that to, to bring the agricultural, the, the, the region agriculture into conservation, because that is really what we need, and that we, we look at uh, the habitat side of the wildlife. Now, in the, I'm, I'm working with a few guys, but there's my, my partner, he himself is, is, is a hunter, but he's an excellent conservationist. He's a naturalist and all that type of stuff. And um, we, were, we were working on his, on his piece of property. And this year, he hasn't, um, and it's now two, two growing seasons. We are, we are about to go into our third growing season. Um, and this year, he hasn't um, fed his wildlife at all. All right. For the first time, and um, it's a it's an interesting conversation to have because now all of a sudden your nutrient cycle is was so good this year in in a like our third non-growing season, but and we're going into the third growing mm -hmm. season. Um, that mm -hmm. the grasses that these animals were eating were, in, were they got enough uh, uh, nutrients in for them not to be fed, mm -hmm. and I'm now thinking. And I'm looking around in, in, in the park and I'm looking at impalas that are malnutritioned and I'm looking at kudus that are malnutritioned and I'm thinking, you know, this is what we need is, is we need the community's cattle to come here and fix our habitat for us. And so, Peter, that, that scenario with your friend, what, what caused the change? So, 
I think that's the crux of this conversation is that you're you're advocating for a new yeah. model, right? You're advocating for a new model of, of habitat restoration. Yes. So so what it is is um it's controlled and managed impact animal impact for the right reason at the right place for uh, for the at, at the right time of the year and then what you want is so that's part of the, the rough recipe there's no there's no set recipe for 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 areas but then what you want is, is the most impact for the shortest time and then the longest recovery all right so and in short in one sentence it says you want to eliminate selective grazing so selective and that's what wildlife yeah, gives you exactly so why why is why because i could think people are going to be listening to this and going that doesn't make any yeah. sense right wildlife is natural mm. wildlife is what's supposed to be there yeah peter and maybe the the assumption here is that cattle are non-natural cattle are not supposed to be there however you're saying that cattle the system needs cattle mm. the system is built around cattle cattle have been on the ground for how long peter Twenty thousand years two hundred thousand yeah, years the, Ever since humans well, were they've, around, they've probably been here for let's say at least two thousand years in in on the in the southern point of Africa. But let's mm -hmm. let's up until a couple of hundred years ago, how did nature work? All right, the cattle, the people, everybody. There was nobody that stayed at one place for any for, for any period of time. It's hard to find those areas. Uh, because if people hunted, they moved with the the animals, right? And then what what had the animals move? It was climate. It was rain, number one, and and food. So if these animals were in their tens and thousands together, right? Um, and let's just make it one thing clear: that is that where we are today, the last um, uh, migration was in the late 60s when a foot and mouth fence came up all right there's still a eight millimeter cine video um that one can see where these a freshly put up uh, a state vet fence and the zebras and the and the uh, villabias uh, run into it in their thousands and that was in the late 60s now and and they, and they went towards the mountains so they went west right out of mozambique so, so what happens is that these animals go to where there's water, but they there are tens and thousands of them. So the hooves and whatever the case might be churn up, and of course the grass is dirty uh, with dung and urine. And the guys at the back are hungry, and they try to get to the front and whatever. So there's this massive, massive impacts. So animals couldn't stay there for for longer than a few days at any place because the, there was no food left and two the water was probably gone there was thirsty animals all the time so they initiate um uh, a, a track almost immediately because the front guys messed up the water and they need to get to the next water so these animals were were gone and we had very healthy areas back then and and i'm not saying there wasn't 
big fires, but I think the the fires that was there was probably not as as big as we think they were, or not as frequent as mm-hmm. they think they, that they were, and um, so this the these animals and so what we've lost was is that the wild and we haven't lost the wild animals but we've lost the habit and um you know of of trekking um and we've also lost that impact okay the the uh, the animal impact now in our new conservation models we are we are giving water pumping water all right yep and yep. and and I don't know how far you guys have talked about the, the the elephants, but the elephants are are a lot, but so so is the impala and so is the the buffalo and all the water dependent species. We've been we've been farming with water dependent species, all right, um, and so you know here where I am at, um, before it became a conservation area, there was roan, sable, yellant, and reedbuck here. Since this has become a conservation area, they've all gone locally extinct. All right. And we're all talking mm-hmm. about Rhino. All right. So it's, it's, we've already lost the other ones, and that was all habitat destruction. Now, the big trees are, are a big problem. But our discussion with elephants, from a holistic point of view, shouldn't go just elephant. Um, although they, why are they so much? Right, it's water, man. It's water, and so why is the water there? It's not for conservation; it's for tourism. Okay, so mm-hmm. so tourism is the reason why there's so many elephants. So, from a responsible resource point of view, right, we need to ask the question: just how responsible is our photo tourism thing? So, yeah, I lose now friends again because you know I've got a lot of guys in there and a lot of students. But these are the questions. If we if we don't ask these questions, then we'll never get to where we can make good decisions because we are trying to walk around the hard decision making um, stuff. Um, in the old days, where they culled, they you know they tried not to cull where there was people. You know, you mustn't upset the the, the folks that bring the money in. Um, but also, that was some of the most sensitive areas, right? Riverine, whatever the case might be. So we left the riverine areas to the to the mercy of these of these elephants because of tourism. Um, and you know, and I've said just, it's now just about twenty years now that Park National is open with the Kruger, and there's hardly elephants there. Hardly elephants mm-hmm. there because it's not because of the people that's there. It's because there's just no water. And I remember one of the guys, the, the leading scientist, um, elephant scientist out of Pretoria University flying there and says, yeah, it's, it is the best elephant habitat he's ever seen with no water. All right. That is the one thing he's never, he, he, he didn't finish his sentence because the elephants is not going to go there and, or stay there if there's no water. Um, and so, you know, so to, to come to the more holistic approach to things is, is that we need to dig deeper into, into our problems and our minds need to be opened up a little bit more and because it's not a bad thing to have people. All right, so let's come back to your original question again. So, so, so but why the people? Because the people is natural, man. People are natural. So what, what, what place 
Yeah, but at what level are they natural, Peter? Because humans, we know we know you're a human, I'm a human, we're all humans. Um, there's no controlling us, essentially, right? There's no like, oh, you can only have 20 of you. Once you've got more than 20, then hey, 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 hey. There's too many people now. Oh, yeah. So, listen, um, it, unfortunately, the, the number 20 will have to go to 2,000 in all probability. Um, if we, because we will have to get these villagers that are out in the Shlatin, we will have to get these guys living with, um, with wildlife uh, in, in a harmonious mm -hmm. way. That is the first thing that we need to, as, as conservation managers or resource managers, that is the, 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 the first thing. Um, and I think to a, to a big degree, um, their success in, in Africa, um, you know, if you look at Kutara 10 and 11, uh, Mark Aldane is doing a, a very good job with that type of stuff. And, and although the... Um, um, uh, you know, there's a few guys up in 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 Zimbabwe that's been doing a good a good job with us. In Botswana, um, on the Panhandle, there's there's some some good work being done there too. All right, and so um, I know similar on the Zambezi um, in on the uh, in the Zambian side that that community just put in eighty thousand hectares of their land into the Gaza Transfrontier um, uh, area. Mm -hmm. and, and they're not moving mm -hmm. anyway. They just said, listen, we'll, we want to take part. This is also heritage. Okay. So my, my question then to you would be, or just I don't want, I want, don't want to ask you questions, but I'd like to throw into the pool is... No, oh, this is my podcast. I'm the one yeah. who asks questions. <laughs> so ahead, so um, is that cultural conservation? Do we... Do we think that this got a place somewhere within normal conservation of nature? Because people, I think, you know, they have the old the old folks have lived with this type of stuff. They they do know what's going on, um, and I think you know from an inclusive point of view, um, we got to respect maybe the old ways of thinking too, or just maybe find it's not just let's say the new scientific stuff. I think a middle way, if we want to go forward, is is how to get the stuff done. And then, you know, I don't think we must throw away nature um, as, um, as, as, as the judge and jury of, you know, its role. If we think about malaria and we think about tsetse fly and we think about droughts and we think about this, you know, all of that type of stuff, that was that was the control measure okay now first world that is a very bad thing to talk about you know people because those are basic human rights that we are talking but but from mm -hmm. a third world point of view um it 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 is it is a, a you know i saw it again last week it is what it is there and in most places like Mozambique, if you're sick and you don't make it, then you didn't make it, right? For us, it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a big it's a big issue. So, and I'm and and sometimes you know you think about conservation and you think about nature and you think about people and 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 they and they go and they go back to to. Um, 
you know, to ancestral sites and all of that stuff. And so last week, um, we had one of these responsible resource um, management courses and, and, and a bunch of Zimbabweans up in the Pafuri. And they asked the, the community, so when you guys were given this new land or moved out of the Papfuri for a national park, so what about your ancestors? Because all the graves are still here. So, so, so what's happening? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the guys looked at them and says, no, no, hang on, we didn't leave anybody behind. We took the spirits, everything with us. It's the, this, we, the only reason we come and visit is for our children to see where we come from. All right, so it's a heritage thing. Mm. Now, I, mm. say, I don't say move people and then give them access. As, uh, if you have moved people, then do give them access. But I think you don't need to move people anymore. Because, you know, youngsters don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm, my biggest worry is, is my kids is, um, won't want to be in the bush anymore. Because up until, up until now, right. the, this is the only place they've lived there. They want to go to where, where there's, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of my students are the same. They don't want to be in the bush anymore. They want to go to where there's a lot of lights and a lot of uh, paved roads and all that type of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and internet is, is unlimited, you know. So, so, and, and so I'm, I'm thinking that if these, if these guys do want to stay, the kids, those are the kids that are going to be the conservation conservation professionals of the future because they want to be there right but we need mm -hmm. to be respectful and inclusive to people because it's a pipe dream man it's a it's a it's a um a hemingway book the way that we manage areas without people it needs to be wild it, it's it's rom it's romantic stuff that we're trying to 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 build instead of 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 getting functional habitats um positive growth in 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 um in animal populations so we can take it to other places that need animals all right um we are trying to manage for stuff that is rom uh, uh, romantic. If we look at what is going on in the Mara, it is the most expensive place to go to, and yet it's full of people there. Rob, I, I've never, I, I, I didn't realize there were so many people there. And um, mm. you mean people, yeah, yeah. settled people? Uh, so, so it's, it's they back on their land and whatever. So, so the mm -hmm. the big thing now is, is how are you going to incorporate all these people in your wildlife experience? Because, yeah, because you'd think someone who came, even, you know, just thinking out loud as a, as a hunter coming to hunt a place or an ecotourism individual wanting to come see a place, you don't want to see people, you don't want to see cattle, you want exactly. to see wildlife. Exactly, so you can still see wildlife, but if you want to see wildlife in a healthy habitat, that what conservation should be about, it's not, people and their cattle is going to be the answer. Uh, well managed, right? Well managed. And so, so we that mm -hmm. is the it's it's managed. So, so what's the key difference between what you just said? Because I think that's the crux yeah. of the matter here, right? Is that you're you're advocating for a different model, which includes people and includes cattle into the wildlife, um, into the wildlife system. Correct. 
but there's certain there, there, it's just not like hey just incorporate them and everything will be fine like what's the crux of the of the system here is it in i think you you actually mentioned a little bit earlier is it intense acute non-selective grazing and then as you said long-term recovery and it's almost like a rotational grazing system put back into the into the habitat is that what yeah, we're advocating correct. for? Here? So, so you want to simulate what happened, I don't know, you know, three, four hundred years ago, right? That is what you want to simulate for. Now, the people that can do that is going to be herders and their cattle, or their goats, or their sheep, whatever it is that's at your at your disposal. But it's not just on the inside of national parks and provincial parks. It's also on 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 normal land, privately owned land. You know, this is, uh, I started with this partner of mine on his land in COVID. There was a massive drought, COVID, so there was no no people flying to, to come and utilize resources. There was a drought um, and it was, the, the time was ripe. He was, he was uh, desperate enough to listen. We gave it a try and we're making it work. So we've got this one, place in South Africa in the Lowfeld that where this is working. Of course the Bangombe and, and uh, the the uh, in Gweru there's a place there and all of that but and the Botswana sites and, and the Zambia. But I this is exactly what we what I'm trying to advocate is that you know you can have a much healthier system with the the presence of people that make good decisions. All right. Very good decisions, and so so what what we're trying to do is, is is if you look at a place and you come there, you want to see four characteristics. You want to see four things, right? You want to see that you know is it regenerative? Although although the earth is only yay big, the resources are not mm -hmm. finite, especially natural resources. Mm -hmm. If a thing is green and the sun is shining, you can make it more. All right, you can make it mm -hmm. more. And we should be thinking about making stuff more because our population as humans are not standing still there. You know, so we need to, to stop talking about what is sustainable and not sustainable because we shouldn't be talking. Sustainable implies a flat line. Right. Our, our curve in our resources should go up. And, and this is a regenerative kind of thing. Then, you know, we need to look at, at a more holistic approach and so not in, in, in saying not simplistic right and and I know Alan uh, is just looking at wildlife too simplistic um, I, I, I think so I, I, I think it's the, I think it's 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 degrading all right it's uh, um, uh, how what we do in in especially in photo tourism now is habitat we mining Right, it's 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 the most consumptive thing that is currently in any conservation. Is, what is photographic? The most the non-consumptive use the non-consumptive model is the most consumptive model. <laughs> so what you're so saying? listen, there's nothing. This is going to be the quote yeah, for the podcast here, right? <laughs> yeah, and you can dolly it up, but but listen, it's not. There's no there's no such thing as non-consumptive uh, use in in conservation areas. Both those tourism. Um, uh, both hunting and photo is, is consumptive, but the, the more consumptive one is 
by a country mile is is photographic, and it's actually mining, and uh, it's it's there's degradation, and uh, and so listen, uh, and it's not that there's no degradation on on hunting farms or whatever the case might be, is is there's a it is what it is, right? And so you, this is what you want to see is 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 a is a more holistic way of thinking. It's not on 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 the resources. The health is going to be whether it's regenerating or not. Okay, inclusiveness. Inclusiveness is not just people, but the the, the how it's nature and people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But people, the inclusiveness, people is going to be an important part, because the fourth one that you want to see is going to be the ethical acceptance. Now, this is the you know, you, I mean, this is all what you talk about is is that mm-hmm. what is what is right and what is wrong, right? So my ethics and your ethics is going to be much different. And the guys in Chicago and my ethics, I'm telling you now, is going to be worlds apart. But if I, if people can see the first three characteristics, all right, of what I just said now, it's only the lunatic fringe that is not going to to accept what you say. You know, the... Um, uh, uh, that was a very strong word, and if somebody takes, um, uh, so so the, because um, I'm trying to think about the right word. I had it just now, man. Anyway, these guys, if you, because they won't accept what you're saying, right? But most of the people, right, will see. They don't have to agree with you, but your your decision That's making right. is going to be sound. So your 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 management is sound, okay? Because the outcome. Is for there for everybody to see. Those four characteristics are there. So if you if you mm-hmm. think about, it, so those are the four characteristics that you must see. But the three principles that you must apply is social, environmental, and economic. Right? It is what it is. If we mm-hmm. don't add value to what's going on then people are not going to take conservation seriously. This is, since Teddy Roosevelt started um, the, the National Park concept, uh, was it Yellowstone 1870-something, yep. there about there? Eh? Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the, the poor guy, it was then, it was outlandish, right? Uh, he, they tried to get him out of your parliament uh, because it was, it was a rubbish notion. But... Soon after, all the colonies followed suit. But since then, most of Africa hasn't cottoned on to this. This is not, a, it's not something, it's all paper mm-hmm. parts, right? So if we want to keep mm-hmm. those areas and we want to make those and we want to help those areas grow in wildlife, in healthy habitat, then people, and they, uh, we need, people need to have access. It can't be exclusive. The only... So you're saying the protectionist model oh, is not the right model. Yeah. At the end of the day, the protectionist model exactly. is not the right it's, model. I'm 100% against the protectionist model. All right. It's, it's not working. I think there should be enough evidence for any, everybody to see that that is not working. All right. And so we need to get people to, to have access to, to resources, manage it in a responsible way. And this is what the Southern African Wildlife College is doing and making a big effort this is how is is to give people the the model of thinking in a responsible way all right see see what they have 
get the value to it and then look after it in the regenerate get make it more right and and we can't force people um in a third world into stuff that a that a first world has conjured up it's not fair to them all right so it's 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 like um you know the Zimbabweans last week said, you know they're now being paid by the first world not to cut their trees. So, so, so what are they going to cook on? Because they don't have the electricity is not there, but they've got a contract now, and this is the only way they can get money. But they can't cook food. So you know, so then you think to yourself, but yeah, you know, we haven't thought this thing through, um, and the the problem is is a is a is a first world problem and the poor guys in the third world they're getting they're getting hammered there yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no it's an interesting concept right because i think people naturally assume and maybe it's through education maybe it's through logical thought process that for wildlife to be healthy, for habitat to be healthy, just let it be. Leave it alone. Take the humans out, fence them out, fence the cattle out, and it's all going to be wonderful. True or not, not true? true? Not, not true at all. Um even from a biodiversity point of view, you know, on the outside, there's more... But doesn't Mother Nature regulate herself, Peter? Well, you know, Rob, if I, if I stab you in the leg, <laughs> all right, and I says, listen, your body is going to heal itself. Leave it alone, all right? It's, it, it's going to heal itself. If you get gangrene, That's a great if you get analogy. gangrene, your leg is going to fall off, eh? All right. So, mm. I mean, it's not, it, it, it's either healthy or not. So, can we enable nature to be healthy? Yes, we can enable nature to be healthy. How do we do this? It's not a fence and ex- being exclu- an exclusionist and protectionist. No, 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 no. It is managing for healthy ecological processes. Then, the four processes that we can manage actively on a daily basis. All right is the water cycle, the energy Mm -hmm. cycle, the nutrient cycle, and population dynamics. And population dynamics is the one that we're really talking about because, you know, we don't know. We don't know how to work with complexity. Well, all those four processes, you really can only work with water and and number of animals. You can't really work on the energy and nutrient cycle. Well, you know, I can... Directly, well, you so, so I can manage for more green plants per square meter. So that is my energy cycle so in photosynthesis. Yeah, but how do you do I that? Mean, you, you, but you can't do that directly, Peter. Come no, on, no, no, no. I can. I can. I can with, 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 that, with those hooves. I can plant grass. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's not directly. You yourself, yeah. Peter Nell, can only do. You can only physically manage, I'm going to put cattle here, I'm going to put this many cattle here. Indirectly, 
those cattle yeah. are doing what okay. you're doing. Okay, 100%. Uh, that's fair enough. I, I mean, it's, it's still that, still this. So if, if you do that, you can still indirectly get more grass plants per square meter, all right, which mm-hmm. is going to put mm-hmm. more carbon into the into the soil, which is going to give more grass to to wildlife, which is going to make them more healthy, etc. 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 So you know, people are only as healthy as their habitats. Okay. So have you figured out how many how many cattle, like the density requirements for a for a sort of for an acreage or in terms of the time that they're on, are you putting you know, whatever, a hundred head of cattle per Per acre so, for for two weeks and no, then no, no, yes, so Rob, so we I'm I'm current I'm currently we are about six hundred head of cattle per hectare per three hours. Holy yeah. shit! And, and 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 we're not getting enough uh, impact. So so there's some guys that's yeah. Hold on, hold on. Six hundred head of cattle per hectare, which is two point two yeah. acres. In three yeah. hours. That's not causing no, desertification? No, it's healing. It's turning it around there. Eh? It's turning it around. So, and this is, this is now where the mind needs to be regenerated because you need to see it. Right? You need to see it. So, there's, there's guys um, up in the grassland, up in, the high, in the high felt, that's over 5,000 head of cattle per hectare. And every hour they get moved. But that doesn't. You can't even. You can't fit five thousand head of cattle in, yeah. in a hectare. So I, I, I mean, I, they're not moving. They're yeah. just like they're like freaking so, belly to so belly. I, I must, I'm gonna show you to you, and they're all fat. They all. It's listen. It, it's it's. I think, um, you know, since since I've moved into this uh, sphere, there was people here that um, that helped me so much. My eyes went open of, of what is the possibilities. All right, and. Um, the ski level in in graziers is next level stuff. Um, but how do you, how do they logistically do that? Because that's that requires a bunch of fencing constantly and constant someone moving them. How do they how do they yeah, constrain? So, so so what we do um, or what I teach um, in places in wildlife areas is herding. So we we teach the guys mm-hmm. how to herd. Um, how to how to manipulate the herds, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and what to look for. So, so the herders are really the crooks of of what's going on in your daily um, healing the the land type stuff. All right. Gotcha. Constant, constant, moving, constant. constant. So, um, where there's not a lot of wildlife and 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 labor is is a problem in in communal areas. The labor is not the problem, right? You, you can the guys already there. Where you need to employ mm-hmm. people, it becomes more it becomes more difficult. So the cheaper way, mm-hmm. the economical way then to do it is with a little electric fences, and so you manipulate. So what I'm currently at, I've got a guy putting, um, I've I've got about a 60 meter strip with 10 meters wide, all right, um, or it's mm-hmm. rather 60 meters wide and 10 meters long, and and and, okay. and he, every four so it's it's 0.06 of a hectare, right? Um, and then this guy will, he, he does five moves a day. So he looks at mm. these, he gives him 10 meters 
and once he sees that the heads are going up they they need more food he gives him another 10 meters all right so they concentrated on that 10 one six or whatever it is of a of a hectare um and he gets, so so i'm doing about a quarter of a hectare a day i think um w w with my w w with my cattle um and when will you put cattle back on that quarter of an acre, mm. quarter of a hectare? So it'll, it'll, uh, six yeah, it, later, it, it, a it takes later. a little bit longer than six months. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, the ideal time is to, to, to look at them uh, when it's recovered, right? Because you don't want to rest it to death mm. again, because that's the other problem that we have. We want to, mm -hmm. when it's at its best, you, you kind of want to graze it again. But we need to also have, we don't have enough place to work with, you know, so we're renting and I'm fixing this guy's farm, I'm fixing that guy's farm. And, you know, so you kind of um, uh, uh, looking for stuff, but it, it'll probably take us nine months. So th we won't probably won't get there again in the growing season um, and it'll be there in the, in the, in the next. Uh, and, and you also want to kind of not have... Um, the same time of the year use the same place right so sure, sure. so you want to give it sure. enough rest you want to have the the grass plants that you utilize go through their whole um physiological uh, uh system and and grow roots because this is the other thing that you need to do is this in you need to see if you're going to be regenerative is there new plants coming through and is your um your your roots your plant roots getting bigger because that's a very big thing so mm -hmm. you know and we we are seeing that we are getting uh new germination i i, I can walk there by me and find 10, 10 new plants that's that's germinated this year and and we can walk here a whole day in the kruger and not find one Right, so so mm. we we basically in an ecological bottleneck when it when it comes to vegetation because the 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 hard hoofed herds are not doing their job, eh? um, and and our solution to that is you know burn it again next year. That's fine, and then we then you end up mm -hmm. with with bare ground and 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 less grass again, and and it's and it's, it's an evil thing going forward. And the only reason for that is is we don't want to see cattle. You know, it doesn't. So, so we're not we're not really in conservation. We we in mining. You know, so how do we use this? Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know how long we can talk, but I think before we say cheers, is that if you lose, if you use the resources, whether you're a hunter, whether you're a photographic guy or whatever it is, if you if you don't see regeneration, um, inclusiveness, etc. Um, you know, we need to be more, um, uh, you know, the wine drinkers have got a good, good word for, uh, um, you, you need to choose where your, your wine come from, you know, so they've got a very nice word right. for that. All right. Not a corner's ears. They've got something else. We need to see where we put our money because we are investors. If you are coming to Africa, whether photo safari or hunting safari, fishing safari, it really doesn't matter. You, you investing in conservation. You need to be sure that you ask the right questions. All right. And this is, if you don't mm -hmm. see these four characteristics, 
then you're not investing in the right place. And then you need to insist because people need to see there where their business is going. This is what they will where they will go to um, and I think it's a very very important thing for us all to, to understand this because otherwise we're at the end of, of wildlife habitat quite quickly and um, and you know we're not going to resolve problems um, if we don't change our way of thinking the rhino is going to be gone eh? it's, um, and then the elephants will start the leopards will start and all that type of stuff so we need to and and it's a it's a big economy that we're talking about so the business models are right it's just that little bit that we need in our um inclusiveness and then we can we can win this thing in conservation what are the four characteristics again for people because you just mentioned um, them again so it's a it's an it's an holistic rather than simplistic um, decision making process number one right did you think about stuff before you do it um you're not you're not addressing the the symptoms right you're addressing addressing the problem um inclusiveness um regeneration and then lastly it's going to be the ethical part and the ethical part is usually the one there where nobody can see eye to eye but if it's nobody seeing eye to eye then you know you've got a problem and you either weren't inclusive or you were, you're not doing the regenerative thing or you weren't as holistic as you thought you were but um mm -hmm. definitely uh it's it starts even before that is 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 considering economics social and ecologically equally all right. If you if it's if it's economics more than something else, you're going to it's going to be very hard for you to ethically um, uh, uh, or, or somebody else to help you um, fight this argument. All right. If if somebody if you want help in in arguments, you know somebody else needs to see those four characteristics first. And it's going to be very hard if you considered one of those pillars of social, um, economic, and um, ecological more than uh, uh, somebody else. And, and currently, you know, we are trying to make ec ecological decisions as it's more than economics or or the um, uh, or, or social. Now. I can see why the the first world will do this, but in the in the in the in the first in the in the third world, this is not you, you can't do that. People cannot be under nature, right? It's, then mm -hmm. then you will never get buy-in. But we can't be above nature either. We are part of nature, and and so right. so the resilience you can only build, build, build social resilience if your if your habitat is is healthy and 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 people mm. need to be in the bush and the water needs to go into the ground and um not run away because droughts sorry to say is man-made all right this is it floods are man-made because we're not managing for for less uh, uh bare ground we are just managing for species you know this is what it is and we're managing for for people to come here and see a lot of animals okay and that is degrading habitat and we are going to be less and less resilient um and we're going to run out of wildlife habitat so yeah mm -hmm. 
Well, it's a fascinating conversation, and I'm sure it's opened a lot of people's eyes to a different model, right? A different thing, a way of thinking, essentially. Obviously, a little bit controversial, but typically good things are always controversial. Yeah. Um, so, Peter, where can people find out a little bit more about this idea? You've mentioned a couple of things. You've, you mentioned Alan Savory and his work. Um, I believe there's an institute in America called the Savory Institute that was built off of Alan Savory's work. Um, where can people find more information about this idea of inclusiveness of people and cattle to, you know, for the health yeah, of habitats? Um, I, I'm sure if if the guys, anybody looking for a Savory Institute, they can they can Google Savory Hub. It'll get them to the closest hubs. Um, there's a few universities in America that's actually the oldest um, Savory Hub is Michigan State um, University. Mm. Um, uh, um, uh, the, the Southern African Wildlife College is not doing Alan's stuff per se, but we are doing a lot of work um, in this regard, uh, in training people in communities, in conservation areas, um, in SADC. Um, so you can visit the Southern African Wildlife College site and, and the responsible resource use um, department, especially we're working with that. Um, my own handle on, on social media is Regenerative Conservation Solutions. So, you, you know, is yeah, Check and it out. Uh, so and we come up with the solutions and help you think in a in a way to 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 help you, right? And um, unfortunately, I'm in I'm in in, in South Africa, so um, I wouldn't mind going over there to you guys in fishing season and come come and help you out there. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. Well, anybody check it out, Peter. Thank you so much. I know we've been trying to connect for quite some time. Um, I know we probably, as you said, we probably could have talked for hours, uh, especially if we threw things like carrying capacity and the benefits or not benefits of actually taking rhino horns off of rhinos. Um, that's probably saved for headsets, campfire, and whiskey, and then we really have yeah, a good man. conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Robbie. And uh, you see, you guys be You're safe, welcome. and thank you for the good work you're doing, man. No, All thank right. you. Cheers, eh? Cheers, Bye -bye. mate. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.